Hello, listeners, and welcome to today's episode of Blind Insights. Today, we're going down my new rabbit hole of communications and marketing again. And I want to contextualize it for everyone who's maybe doesn't think they're into communications and marketing. Even if you're not all into marketing, you're all into communications. You all need to work out how to be heard and how to be understood. And the most critical lesson in that is working out who your audience are and how to talk to them. So we've gone down this rabbit hole once with Stormy Andrews of making sure we understand who our audience is. And today we're going to go down the other part of this rabbit hole with Dan Tyre from HubSpot, who is one of the people that's been trying to get the world to understand inbound marketing for 15 years. And I think he's probably about as frustrated with getting people to listen as I was at university coming up with good ideas only to discover that people with power would just keep on doing what they were doing because I didn't have the comm skills I needed yet. So today, even if you're not into marketing, pay attention because you're going to learn better ways to communicate with people who, if you can get through to them, more positive things will happen. The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. David Graeber, 1961 to 2020. Welcome to Blind Insights. I'm joined today by David Olney. How are you, David? I am well, thank you, Tim. That's good. Unfortunately, we're missing our pink coffees from recording from home. Yeah, no we're... pink coffee. Life is bad. <laughs> but joining us in a completely different time zone from across the world, thank you very much, Dan Tyre. Tim, David, nice to make your acquaintance. Happy to be here. It's so nice hearing someone that is enthusiastic at nearly the end of their work day. It's good to yeah, hear. Uh, a little bit of an excitable boy, right? Uh, you want me to bring the big energy, right? You don't want the college professor delivery, right? Low in my voice box using multi-syllable words. You want me to boom it out to the crowd, right? Isn't that what Australians want? You can go Chris Voss and sound like a cyborg if you want. It's entirely up to you. I love it. I, I <laughs> vibrate at a different level. People usually like the big energy. I was just at a conference, which is super exciting because uh, I haven't done a lot of uh, face-to-face stuff over the last two years because of global pandemic. And uh, last week I did two, right? One wow. here in Arizona and then one in uh, Los Angeles with a thousand credit unions. It was so nice to see people. So nice to be in a, like a group where you could see people smile and you could talk and you could uh, learn. And um, so super excited to be on your podcast as well. I've Thank you ask, very much. Arizona has been one of the places I've thought about moving in my life because I understand it to be the place that has the least cloudy skies in all of the world. And I have to ask, is your positive attitude because it's always clear skies? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's, it probably contributes to it. It only rains 10 times a year here, 10 days a year, right? And it's uh, monsoons, right? So wow. uh, it's pretty interesting when uh, it rains in uh, Phoenix, if you're in a building, right, you watch the rain come across the plains, right? And it's amazing. And when it rains, it's always the first story on the uh, TV news, right? And uh, invariably, somebody is driving an SUV. It's like, oh, I can drive through this wash. And uh, they give it a try because they think they're in a car commercial and they get stuck halfway through. And then uh, you see the helicopter come over and try to save them. And it's bad news. But Arizona, if you want to move here, you wouldn't be alone. I think a thousand people a week 
moved to yeah. Arizona, right? It's beautiful in uh, March, right? It is uh, temperate and uh, is uh, sunny, as you uh, mentioned. Uh, we have the Grand Canyon in the state. We have the Musical Instrument Museum, which is a world-class uh, museum of uh, culture. It's a very uh, outdoorsy kind of place. And uh, I never thought I'd live in Phoenix because I lived in uh, major cities uh, my entire life, but I've lived here for 24 years. And uh, it's a super exciting place to uh, scale, grow a business and be a uh, community member. Well, you've now got me on the Musical Instrument Museum because, you know, that's just too exciting. Like I'd had reasons to go to, to Phoenix anyway, but now that I know there's a Musical Instrument Museum, it has to be even higher on the list. Uh, first of all, they call it the MIM, uh, Musical yep. Instrument Museum, M-I-M. Uh, second of all, you can spend three days there. Uh, third of all, uh, David, are you a musician? I, I was a guitarist and I'm beginning to go back to being a guitarist. Yes. Okay. So I I'm a bass player. Any bass players in your uh, life? Unfortunately, no, which means I'll have to come visit you while I'm there because I'm still trying to work out if I'm ever going to be good enough again to put a band back together. Awesome. I, uh, when I uh, was in college, I uh, played uh, bass guitar to uh, support myself, work my way through uh, college. And then I was a professional musician uh, briefly after uh, university. And uh, I'm going to write a book or at least a blog article sometime about um, how playing bass is a great uh, foundation for uh, business, right? Because uh, lead guitar players and vocalists, they're all egotistical and they want That's the spotlight me. bass That's players. That's me. I know. I know. I knew that. Tim is like rolling his eyes in the background. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You don't have to tell me. Bass players exactly opposite, right? They just work with the drummer. They're uh, the foundation of the rhythm section. They're uh, interested in uh, good uh, music. And I always thought it was a great introduction to business. And a lot of the things that I apply in a business, I uh, learned as a bass player in a rock and roll band. Which sounds amazing because Again, it teaches you to get along with people. It teaches you to read a crowd. And exactly. often bass players and drummers, in my experience, are the ones who are more attuned. Like The guitarist and the vocalist need the crowd response, but it's very often the bass player and the drummer who can work out if a crowd are easing into it, are getting happy, are starting to get in the groove where they'll, they'll just sort of let their consciousness follow the band and really enjoy the performance. So this is quite incredible that, you know, in a sense, your choice of how to get through college started giving you an insight that guess what? It's all about people. Uh, yeah, I'm the luckiest guy in the world and I tend to be empathetic, right? Uh, I've had an incredible 42 year uh, business career, right? When I uh, realized that playing bass in uh, Boston, Massachusetts wasn't going to pay for my sneakers at the store, I decided to sell computers. And um, back in 1982, there were, I think, 16 or 18 computer stores in downtown Boston. So I picked one, I got hired. And uh, my first year in business, I became the top salesperson selling uh, Apple IIEs, right, for a company called the Computer Store. And uh, about a year in, my boss uh, came in and said, I'm quitting. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm quitting. I'm like, why? He's gone. I'm going to a startup. I'm like, what's a startup? He goes, it's a small company that's going to grow quickly. And I'm like, all right, knock yourself out. He's like, no, no, no. I want to bring you with me. I'm like, I got a job. He goes, I'll pay $100 more US a month. I'm like, yeah, I'm a startup guy. So I quit and went with Roger and it changed my entire life, right? I'd probably yeah. still be working at the computer store 
I don't know if they're still around, but this startup uh, was called Businessland, right? And uh, it was San Jose based. And over the next nine years, it grew from $2 million uh, US uh, turnover to uh, over $1.4 billion back when a billion was real money. And uh, it was amazing. I started as a salesperson, then moved to sales manager, then moved to um, general manager, then an area director. I worked in LA, San Francisco, New York, Boston, all over the place. And uh, I got addicted to growing companies very, very quickly. And it uh, turns out I was a pretty good uh, people manager, which, as you know, uh, David, is the key to uh, any growth story, right? Uh, my big like uh, initiative in 2022 is uh, humans before money, which I think lots more people of all age groups are um, starting to embrace, right? Uh, it really started with uh, millennials and Gen Z. They're like, no, nah, I'm not going to wait till I'm 60 years old to help people. I want to do it right at the beginning of my career, which is like the right thing to do. And I, I've kind of adopted that and seen more and more uh, people focused on other human beings as opposed to uh, just making money. Yeah, when I crashed into the inbound marketing literature and, and bought your audiobook and started listening, the first thing that resonated with me is, you know, having taught stuff about the conscious capitalism movement and Raj Sisodia's work, stuff like Firms of Endearment, you know, and his Whole Foods Market, you know, this whole idea of do good while doing well. It seemed that you just so naturally tapped in. You were already there before you got to HubSpot. And yeah, you were going to do well, but you're going to make sure you did good along the way. And that is a very persuasive and infectious approach. Now, to jump back to the 80s, like when you were at college, what were you doing at college and did it have any link to the world you were experiencing being a bass player and a good salesperson and then getting pulled into startup land? Uh, it was a great education. I went to Colgate University, which is in upstate New York. When I went to school, I was a solidly middle class. And uh, back then, uh, it was a lot less expensive than it is today. I uh, couldn't go back my sophomore year unless I made uh, $5,000 U.S., over the summer. And uh, there weren't a lot of jobs that uh, paid that amount, but one of them was selling books door to door on the other side of the country. And I like remember talking to the recruiter going, wait, wait a second, like door to door sales? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, I can make five grand. He's like, yep. I'm like, I'm in. And so I worked for a company called the Southwestern Company, which uh, was in Nashville, Tennessee. I, I got down to Nashville to learn how to do it. Then they sent me the first year to Bellingham, Washington, which is right on the border of Canada. And uh, for uh, three months, I sold books and I sold a lot of them. And uh, it was a perfect a precursor to a startup experience because uh, number one, you actually had to do it. It wasn't a lot of philosophy. It was a lot of getting out of bed early, going out and talking to people. Number two, uh, people were amazing. I know I sound like your grandfather when I saw I sold books door to door, right? But it was an incredible uh, introduction to meeting tens of thousands of people. 99.9% .9 of them were nice, right? They're like, okay, what are you doing on my doorstep? I'm like, I'm the book guy. And they're like, okay. And that means, and I'm like, I want to help your kids learn in, um, at school. And they're like, okay, how are you going to uh, do that? Stop right there. Stop right there. You just captured the most critical bit of inbound in your first sentence about a story. And that is you weren't there to sell a book. You were there to help their kids learn. Now, oh, did I mean, you understand that? as a very young man doing this first job? Did they teach you that? Did that just seem like the natural way to talk to people? Did it kick in a couple of weeks in? Because for most people, that leap isn't or hasn't yet happened. That's interesting. We were talking about that in pre-release, 
right? I am a little bitter that not everybody is embraced inbound in 2022 because, right, I started talking about this in 2007. And I'll never forget uh, my boss at the time, Mark Roberge, right, who's now the entrepreneur in residence at Harvard Business School. And uh, Brian Halligan explained the business model, which is we want to attract people to the website and we want to help them. And I'm like, forget about helping them. We want to sell to them. He goes, yeah, we want to do that too. But the more people you help, right, the uh, more visibility you get and uh, the greater good that you can do. And I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And so uh, the inbound revolution is all about um, six things, which I think you'll identify, right, that are uh, very important. The first is you treat people like human beings which it disgusts me that we have to say that in 2022, right? But you do, you have to remind people, right? You're buying lists. And uh, if you're cold calling and doing that kind of stuff, right? Then you're not treating people like human beings, right? You would never come up to me in a party and say the same thing you uh, say to Tim that you would to me, the exact same kind of thing. But you like people send out the same stupid email all the time or use the same cold call script and it's horrible, right? So remembering that everybody's a human being, everybody's got a mom or a dad or a dog or a kid, right? Is a hugely important foundation of humans before money. Uh, number two, and what you zeroed in on is so important, especially in 2022, that is um, you help first and then you sell, right? And uh, does anybody need somebody calling them up and like pushing them to buy something, right? Of course not, right? Does people, do people need somebody to call them up and see if they can help? Of course they do, right? And fashioning a, a freemium model, everybody can offer, every single company can offer something uh, at no charge. Uh, maybe a checklist, maybe a video, maybe a member of their community, maybe a free trial, maybe uh, some level of freemium kind of uh, offering. And that has evolved into an incredibly uh, important component of the inbound revolution. Uh, the third thing is that uh, there used to be a lot of generalists, right? That people will sell horizontally. And in 2022, the riches are in the niches. Is that how you say it in Australia? Niches? Uh, in the UK, you got to go uh, niche. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to go to the beaches, you got to work the niches. How about that? If that works in Australia. Anyway, uh, that focus towards uh, your ideal customer profile. That's the thing that Stormy's an expert at. His buyer personas, amazing, right? He takes it to the extreme, which is exactly what you need to do, right? When uh, you're sick in 2022, you don't want a doctor. You want to, if you've got a stomach ache, you want a gastroenterologist, right? Who can very quickly identify what the problem is because uh, they're familiar with the specifics and it will just get you to uh, solving the problem more quickly. Uh, so um, uh, uh, focus beats like a broad bandwidth. And in the old days, 2014, right, the average uh, company had about six competitors. You any idea how many uh, competitors the average company has in 2022? I'm going to guess 37. Okay. 44. I should Ouch. buy you a breakfast sandwich. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, uh, 2019 is the last uh, official statistics yeah. I have, but it's a boatload more. In the old days, you're like, ah, I could change, but like uh, David's going to be the same as Tim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, right, if one thing screws up, right, then uh, you're out of there, right? Uh, I play poker on my phone every day, right? And um, never play poker with me, David. I'm an elite poker player. I'll take all your money. But I That's okay. Play... I can't see the cards, so I've got a good reason not to. <laughs> Uh, but and I've played with this uh, company now, I don't know, for a couple of years, 
they screw up, if they screw up my account, I'll just go to uh, the other 15 poker companies and they're gone. So every single day they've got to uh, like measure up. The fourth component of the inbound revolution is that you've got to deliver the right information to the right person at the right time. Not everybody is ready to buy. In fact, if you start like pushing people, right, for a product demo or to make a decision, right, you're like asking them to get married on the first date, right? You've got to quickly identify. And in 2022, everybody expects you to know exactly where they are, even if it's the first time they uh, had a conversation with you. Right. And the ability for you to quickly assess are the education mode, consideration mode, decision mode, and then tailor your approach so that you're giving them the right information that will help them exactly what you said, build that trust. Super important. Then the final piece is to make sure that you're measuring all that data. Right. People have an inside view. Right. They have a bias towards what they think rather than what the numbers show them. So the inbound revolution is all, all about taking that data, which we can now do because virtually everything is online, understanding the ratios. That is uh, the percentage of people who move from one step to the next. And then humans before money trying to uh, incent to find the right folks right up top to make sure that you're providing the right information so that they can move at their own pace so that they can ultimately get what they need. Oh, and one other thing, if you're not the good solution, send them someplace else, right? I was just doing a show in uh, Massachusetts and somebody in the audience, I think it was an appliance retail owner, said, I only uh, sell in uh, like Cambridge and Boston. I'm like, you don't sell to the surrounding areas? He's like, no. I'm like, why do you do that? And he's like, they won't have a good experience. I send them to my competitor in uh, the outlying areas. I'm like, wait a second. You send people who are ready to buy a refrigerator to a competitor. He's like, yeah, it's better for them. It's better for me, right? Uh, number one, I know where we do really good work. And uh, that's in Boston and Cambridge. I know where it's harder for me to do the work. That's outside. He can do a much better job over there. So I sent him to one or two. I'm like, that is amazing. And he's like, that's the way we do it in 2022. And that's one of the foundational uh, principles of the inbound revolution. And that's a critical thing because what, you know, that's a great way to make the key point, And that is don't be greedy because people will remember. Uh, so now we uh, get into what we call the flywheel and the HubSpot flywheel is um, one of the big um, like modifications of the inbound revolution over the last few years. And it used to be your sales uh, folks were the folks who were driving uh, new customer acquisition. Now it's your customers. Your customers have to be at the center. Right. Because in the old days, if you ticked off a customer, he'd call your uh, boss, your boss would uh, call you into the office and he'd yell at you and say, Dan, don't do that again. And I'd be like, OK, and I walk out and I do it again. Mm. And there's no implications. Right. It's no big deal. What happens now if um, the customer's not satisfied? Well, they go and write 27 reviews on 27 different websites, leak it to all their friends, share it with everyone under the sun. And then you have a big mess as opposed to a small mess you can ignore. So it used to be buyer beware. Now it's mm -hmm. seller beware. Now, if you're selling to people that you can't service, right, you got a boatload of problems, right? You mm -hmm. need to understand. And um, that's why the ideal customer profile makes so much sense. Find mm -hmm. that niche where you do great work, where you understand the vocabulary, where you understand the uh, motion, where you mm -hmm. understand all of the ways in which you can add the most value and just mine that niche. Right. And I don't care how specific it could be a barbers with just three chairs in Adelaide, Australia. 
right? Mm. But you'll get all of those customers, right? Because you're the person who surfaces all of those. They all know who you are. They're supporting that word of mouth, right? And that's the way you grow with scale, with doing good quality work, with ensuring that uh, you're applying the uh, inbound organization principles. Mm. Now, listeners, to put some of this in context, because we're happily going, you know, to where Dan and I like being, and that's looking at this in terms of marketing. But just think of it in terms of the fact, do you like to be recognized for being you and for having agency? And do you want people to see you as the person you are? Yeah. And there's a fantastic book from the late 1960s called The Search for Authenticity by James Bugenthal. It's one of the great books in psychology and philosophy on authenticity. And it was really important in that era. And greed is good in the 80s seemed to make the book irrelevant. And now suddenly I find myself, you know, in conversations with people going, oh, I found this old amazing book all about the search for authenticity. And I just smile and go, yeah, it never went out of style. Yeah, People just true. forgot how important it is. Uh, yeah, being human is uh, one of the most critical attributes of uh, success in 2022. Uh, we were talking a little bit about um, like uh, learning communication skills. And there's a seminal book called To Sell as Human, by a researcher by the name of Daniel Pink. And, oh, yeah, it's uh, one of his early books, isn't it? Yep. It is. And uh, I'm a little jealous. Uh, he's a researcher and an, like an author, not mm. a salesperson. He's got a best-selling sales book. I'm like, mm. Daniel, how did, like, wh what's the background? He's like, uh, I was researching on the sales culture. And everybody talks about closing a deal mm. and like, and when I started looking into it, I'm like, wait a second. Every human, every minute of every day is either buying or selling, right? Mm. This is like a innate process that everybody does right mm. it, you got some fancy words for it in the sales culture right but everybody pretty much does it anyway like and so that's why i wrote the book and it's amazing talks about influences and uh why it's important to um get people's attention how to get their attention how to keep their attention of course helping people is one of the base foundation mm. right when i cycle in and say uh, david i uh, work with podcasters in australia that are looking to uh, gain traction in the United States and want to get world-class uh, speakers. Does that sound like you? What do you think? Precisely. You've addressed exactly what the person needs. And out of that, both people win. It, it seems to be the underlying thing in your whole book and everything in the inbound world. And that's what I find remarkable when I talk to people and they don't get inbound. They don't get it's about helping and that by helping you'll be trusted. And once you're trusted, the person you helped will help you. It right. doesn't seem to compete then, with some people. Exactly. Then you put them in the forefront of your flywheel, right? Yeah. The more it used to be that we gave references to the end of the sale. It used to be that it was an ancillary process. Now we want all of our best customers in an advocacy group, creating content, uh, talking about their uh, customer experience, right? The other like offshoot of the inbound revolution is um, the acceleration of development of product and services. And in the old days, like 2000, I don't know, nine, right? You bought a particular product because it had a feature, right? Or it was superior to something else that you bought. And that doesn't exist in 2022 because of the pace of development. Everybody's product is essentially the same. There might be some uh, features that Salesforce has that HubSpot doesn't have, but not for long, right? If they're important features, like everybody's going to catch up. Now, the only sustainable advantage is uh, the customer experience. Now, if you've taught people and helped people and uh, were authentic, the way you said, if you said, no, it's not a good fit, right? Uh, you're better off going to someplace else. You have built that trust forever, 
right? And that's the way you build a great brand. That's the way you communicate more effectively. That's the way you grow your business. That is uh, the leadership principles that are the foundation of the inbound uh, revolution that was uh, kind of groundbreaking in 2007 was uh, critically important in uh, 2010 and is even more important in a digital first in uh, 2022, right? Because throughout the great pandemic, everybody had to go online. Everybody had to move to a digital first approach and applying that to your website, applying that to your sales and marketing or what we call schmarketing. You guys say schmarketing down in Australia? No, but we can from now on if you want us to. Okay. Yeah, I invented that term. It's a funny story in 2007, Right. I was uh, sitting on the ninth floor of one Cambridge, which was where our corporate headquarters were. And there were only 10 or 12 people in the company. And I was meeting with uh, our CMO at the time. And uh, I'm like, we were just starting to get these inbound leads, which is the whole like concept of uh, inbound from a sales and marketing perspective is to trick out your website, offer lots of free stuff. Then people will drop their contact information for the free stuff and you got an inbound lead. Anyway, for the first three months, as the first salesperson for HubSpot, all I did is cold call, right? I'm not particularly proud of it. Don't tell anybody. If your listeners are listening, keep it to yourself, right? But uh, now we started to get inbound leads. So I'd call them and I'd be like, hey, I saw that you came to the website. And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We remember we there on Sunday night. And I'm like, wow. And it was completely different, mm-hmm. like, conversation. So I'm talking to Mike Volpe and I'm like, uh, all right, we need more uh, of that content. He's got to, he's like, I got to hire somebody. I'm like, we'll do it. He's like, I don't have any headcount. I'm like, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you a headcount. He's like, you'd give me sales headcount for marketing. I'm like, yeah, it's not sales. It's not marketing. It's marketing. It's all pushed together. Yeah. It's one flywheel that goes around. And um, when people cycle in, right, sometimes marketers need to control the message. They need to make the offers. They need to generate the lead. Then salespeople will call. And if they're uh, still in a, like uh, education mode, it's not good for the salesperson to talk with them, right, because of efficiency sake. We'll put them back in marketing. Marketing will nurture that lead by offering them more information, right? Uh, and then when they move to consideration mode, then we might call them back and be like, hey, remember me? And they're like, no, I got nothing. You got, you don't remember this big energy? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you yelled at me. I'm like, I didn't mean to. It was probably early in the morning, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember that conversation, but now we're a little bit more serious. I think we're a little closer. Uh, let's talk about uh, like the details. And uh, that process plays out uh, like billions of times in uh, 2022. The thing is uh, the inbound process, when people say no, they don't mean no, they mean not now, right? Sooner or later, as they scale, they're going to need product or service. And if you've done a good job in customer experience, you should be in the shortlist, right? If you've honored them, if you haven't been pushy, if you've uh, done a good diagnosis, if you've done a good uh, exploratory call, it should be relatively easy to um, re-engage and uh, try to earn their business when it's the right time. And again, this is the thing, listeners, to keep in mind, this diagnosis idea is critically important to everything we were talking about with Stormy as well, in as much as there are lots of products out there, they're all very similar, but if you're better at working out you know, what your audience need or want, what's their pain point, what's their desire, can you make sure that the information is clear, very quickly addresses their pain point or their desire, so they move on from that education point to at least that point where they're considering you, and once they're considering you, then there's a really good chance of a positive outcome for both parties. So this is a radical shift of actually trusting people to do their research and do it properly, which for lots of old salespeople who hard sold for such a long time must be a real culture shift. Like 
Dan, how often do you meet an old hard-selling salesperson who just can't change gear? They just pushing is all they know, or are they pretty much out of the industry now in America? We call them legacy salespeople, okay. right? Uh, and it's hard, right? They keep uh, arguing that no one picks up the phone. They keep trying to give a product demo, and they don't realize that no one cares about their product, right? I don't know, millions of, of those type of salespeople uh, no longer exist, right? Yeah. The prototype of the modern salesperson is somebody who's analytical, super smart, like you mentioned, empathetic, and is willing to uh, cycle in and uh, has the smarts to ask the right question at the right time. That's why that niching philosophy and strategy makes so much sense. Because if you're working in a particular um, vertical market, you know the rhythms, you know the uh, vocabulary, you know what what they call clients or patients or uh, members or customers or things like that. And you sound like you know that particular area and vertical so that you automatically align a little bit closer. You can explain the um, experience that you have. And uh, most people would prefer somebody that has a little bit of experience as opposed to somebody who is just like a generalist because it's quicker time to value. And as soon as you uh, are talking to that person and realize that uh, number one, they know the right questions to ask. The inbound sales process, which is pretty interesting, starts with the ideal customer profile and the personas that you talk with Stormy about. The second thing is the connect call. The second stage, if I want to do business with you, I do a little research and then I pick up the phone for 15 minutes and all I do is help. I'm like, Tim, this is Dan from HubSpot. And Tim's like, huh, what? And I'm like, oh, thanks for picking up the phone. And Tim's like, wow, that's pretty good. And I'm like, I saw that you came to the website. I saw you downloaded that information. What were you looking for help with? And we start a conversation. If he hadn't come to the website, I'm like, uh, no, Tim, I was looking at uh, podcast producers in Adelaide. And uh, I saw that you have um, extensive experience with Whimsy. And uh, I work with podcast producers who are trying to generate an international audience. Does that sound like you? And Tim would be like, yeah. And I would stroke my chin and I would say, all right, Tim, tell me more about that. And then in a matter of 25 seconds, Tim, his brain is on fire. He's like, who are you again? And uh, I'm like, it's Dan from HubSpot. And then he's like, how did you know all that? And let's face it, I could spend, I don't know, 15 seconds on his LinkedIn or on his website. I could find all that information. I was just smart enough to approach and tailor it to what I know he needs and wants. Then I'm going to just sit back and let him talk. And about halfway through the presentation, I'm going to be like, all right, hold on a second, Tim, what I heard you say is, and then Tim's, uh, they call it the lizard brain. Lizard brain is on fire. He's like, ooh, my girlfriend doesn't listen to me. My kids don't listen to me. No one listens to me, right? Uh, This guy, Tyre, listens to me. And I'd be like, do I have that right? And he'll either say, no, 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 that's not right. You have, there's a, you made a mistake. Or he'll say, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, okay. After 15 minutes, right? uh, Then I'm like, okay, it sounds like there's something we should talk about. Let's schedule 45 minutes for what we call an exploratory call, the third step in the uh, inbound sales process, where you really get some um, even more communication is uh, the exploratory call. And that third phase is much different. The exploratory call is a new closed call. If you ask the right questions when you're engaged with a, a prospect, right? If you do your research, if you cycle in and you ask the right questions about where they are, where they want to go, 
right? The things that are important to them, they should look at you like, wow, man, no one else is asking me these kind of questions. Everybody else is showing me a product demo, which is useless because you just expect the product is going to work, right? Everybody uh, who is asking, well, uh, what are you trying to get out of it? What? How can we make you look good? What are the things that you need to do so that this is a successful implementation? Now, all of a sudden, that trust you were talking about is solidified. Then you could decide on um, sizing and uh, product fit and uh, start date and all those kind of things so that you can sell more stuff. Wow. And I mean, audience, that worked so well. I have no idea what I'm buying, but Dan's charisma and just that little piece of knowledge, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> you're in. You're, you're going to buy HubSpot. Yeah, yeah, that's you, it. You may be paying it off for a very long time. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're buying the whole company, it could take several lifetimes. <laughs> it, it's not so much the charisma because I can do it in a different profile. In yeah. other places of the world, if you guys weren't excitable boys, right, I would uh, go low in my voice box, lots of uh, behavior modification, mm. right? And I would be attuned to the personality characteristics of uh, what it would take to build that trust, mm. right? And some people, if I use the big energy, I blow their hair off. They'd be like, oh, okay, I'm never by. And some people would prefer a slightly different approach. And as a senior person, I want to be... Um, acclimated to the best way to position the right information so that uh, we build that trust so that they're ready to buy. Now, going back to the start of the conversation, because it's a good way to link some of the pieces together, we went to the conference last week with all the people from credit unions. After two years of having to do everything digital, I can imagine that's a very big room full of people, more willing to listen, more willing to learn. But I can imagine with lots of people, they get all excited with inbound, and then they remember that they've had an outbound career until now how many people try and combine the two and what happens when they try and combine the two strategies can people juggle that or does combining it normally cause them some sort of major glitch in their brain all right so there's a couple of things first of all my co-author todd hockenberry who by the way is the best co-author in the history of books said uh, uh, if you do uh, to do inbound you have to be inbound and when he said that i'm like wow that's like incredible that's like socrates or um Very like, uh, philosophy right and he's like what are you talking about i'm like it's profound right and you can't fake it right if you have employees that don't believe in the mission who uh are just out to make money uh and if your management is not attuned to the concept of inbound that we've discussed at length here today it's just not going to work right? Employees have to embrace the philosophy of helping first and uh, treating people like human beings. If they do, right, then you can do outbound calling the same way with the same empathy and process that you do inbound, right? It's um, just identifying good fits. You're not calling everybody, right? Anybody who cold calls in 2022 is an idiot, right? The statistics say that um, the average cold call gets uh, a response of less than 1%. That means you're wasting 99% of your time, effort, and money, right? It's, it's like useless. Is, is there anything else that if you wasted 99% of your time, effort, and money, you'd still do? Of course not, right? It's ridiculous. Uh, but sometimes in some industries, that's the way it's always been done. Uh, it, but now is the time to change. So um, the idea is... When you're calling out, even if you've never met somebody before, number one, call out with something that is of value. Uh, sometimes we'll uh, do a lunch and learn. When I'm calling people that I've never before, I'd be like, uh, David, I'm calling to invite you to a uh, Zoom lunch and learn, 
with uh, five or six other executives. We're all cycle in and I'm gonna explain to you a little bit about the inbound revolution. I'm gonna explain to you about the flywheel. I'm gonna explain to you how to generate more word of mouth leads, all of which lend themselves to, uh, yeah, I'd be interested in that. A small group where I'm offering you something first, right? Um, goes a long way towards ensuring that um, you're doing the outbound process with an inbound philosophy and uh, attitude. And um, it does apply. There is uh, lots of people think inbound is just the inbound call, and that's not the case. Inbound is the leadership principle. It's the thought process. It's the six things that we talked about earlier to make sure that you have a superior customer experience so that, number one, if people are ready to buy, they'll consider you. If they're not ready to buy, they'll remember you. And if they're uh, just in consideration mode, as they move a little bit more into consideration mode, then um, you'll be on their radar screen. So the real thing for a legacy salesperson to take away from that is they've got to change their value proposition. That That's right. They can pick the call up, but picking the phone up has to be about the value the customer is going to gain, not the, the value the salesperson is going to gain in finally getting someone to talk to them this week. A hundred percent. And yeah. anytime that uh, you engage, there's lots of stuff uh, at the HubSpot sales blog. Uh, just Google the entire HubSpot sales blog. You'll see uh, I've done hundreds of articles that talk about the a proper way to engage, right? And it, just like everybody else, everybody needs a little help, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the more research you do, the more you can find exactly what that person's needs. Then the final uh, process is if you really want to get a hold of somebody, you have to call them multiple times over a period of a couple of weeks. So uh, the latest statistics, so you have to call and email somebody uh, four times over 12 days. So uh, first time I call, only about 15% of people are gonna pick up the phone. Uh, and then I'll leave a voicemail here in the United States and in several um, of our uh, supporting countries. And then uh, wait two days, I'll call you again. Right, you'll see the number pop up. You're like, oh, that's interesting. I've heard, I've seen this uh, number pop up again. I'll leave a second voicemail. Each time I leave a voicemail, I'll send you an email. Right, in uh, the second iteration, I'll send you a video email. And David, have you ever gotten a video email? Again, it would be one of those things I just launched the file and probably wouldn't even realize unless it popped up in like the video player rather than just the media player. So again, I may have got them and not even known. Yeah, 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 if I sent you a video email, you would know. First of all, you'd see me in a little hole on the screen and I'd be waving my arms. Second of all, you'd see your website in the video and you'd be like, why does that guy have my website on the video? And you would about 87% of the time click on it to understand why this loud little American is screaming at you from this tiny little uh, chick. Once and again, change the context to I'm paying attention to you. This is about you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, lots of people that I talked to have never seen a video email. And I'm mm. like, no, this is the biggest like game changer uh, since mm. email, right? The last thing you need is another email, but a little mm. um, like video, uh, less than 60 seconds with your website in the background with uh, like somebody saying, hey, uh, David, I saw that uh, you're in Adelaide. I saw that you're um, interviewing world leaders in regard to sales and marketing. And I uh, thought I could add some value. Uh, let's jump on a call for 15 minutes. Here's my uh, meeting link. Just book 15 minutes and I'm happy to see uh, how we can help. Right now, all of a sudden you're like, wow. That's pretty good. This guy's offering, give me 15 minutes at no charge to help me the thing that's important to me, right? And all that is um, just an extension of the philosophy that we talked about earlier that goes a long way towards people um, thinking, wow, this guy can actually help me. Yeah, it's probably worth 15 minutes of my time. And that, again, listeners, is the critical thing to understand here. Legacy salespeople do have a freak out about the inbound idea, 
but that's because they want to hold on to what used to work before people could do their own research and wanted their agency and authenticity left intact by the sales process. So there have been some big fundamental changes. Yeah, I think legacy salespeople understand that, right? If you're doing 1% conversions, if you're not closing deals, right, you're not going to be around for long, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to align with a modern way of selling, right? You have to have a CRM. You have to understand that uh, the key is helping, not selling. And if you're listening to this and you think that there's another approach, let me know, detiredupspot.com, right? I was just doing a presentation in New York and somebody stood up in the third row stood up in the middle of my presentation. You do not want to stand up in the middle of the entire presentation. He's like, no. I'm like, what are you talking about? No. He goes, that's not the way we do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, we call 120 people. We hire people right out of university. They call 120 people. They have two or three conversations, right? And one of those moves to the next step. I'm like, all right. Does that sound like it's reasonable to you? He's like, ah, that's just the way we do it. I'm like, audience, right? What happens if you're one of the 119 people that uh, Raphael calls? And they're like, boo, boo. I'm like, exactly. Raphael, I'm like, you're killing it for yourself, right? You can call those people, right? But along the way, you're making 119 people who are either going to ignore you or hate you or never do business with you. Does that seem like a strategy to you? And he's like, you just don't understand. And then he left, right? And then everybody clapped. And I'm like, all right, that will teach you to interrupt the entire presentation. Oh, my goodness, right? It's pretty yeah, but more importantly, a lot of those people left in the auditorium who may have had some suspicions of, but I'm comfortable in the old world, even though I'm uncomfortable about not earning, have gone and had all their problems sorted in 30 seconds that way. Exactly. I, if they want to be the person remembered for being annoying, that's what it looks like. And with They're the social not- pressure to fit, that's just unacceptable now. They're just missing it. They don't understand that the times have changed. What you've correctly identified in this uh, podcast is number one, 2022 is different. It's different than the old days, which is 2019 before the global pandemic and different from the old, old days of 2017, right? Things move along so quickly and we're influenced by the B2C applications that we have on our phone, Mm. right? And uh, your app, your business app has to look like a video game. It has to be super easy to download or I'm not going to even bother. You have Mm. to be able to understand. I was talking to the credit union people about a user manual, right? And as some lady in the front rows, 20 somethings like what's a user manual i'm like you know the books that you get when you buy something she's like like a youtube channel i'm like not exactly i'm like you don't have any manuals she's like what are you old man come on what are you my grandfather there's no i never do that i just go on youtube and find out how to and it's just a, a a great example of how things have accelerated Right. So it's totally different now. And legacy salespeople and marketers need to be aware of that. Number one, if you haven't bought into the inbound revolution, it's time. Right. Uh, Just get the book. Go to inboundorganization.com or just listen to this podcast. Go to HubSpot. There's a million places, uh, agencies, all kinds of solutions partners that are willing to explain to you why this process gives you a huge competitive advantage. Number two, lean into the flywheel. Your customers even if you don't do inbound, your customers uh, have to be the forefront of your sales and marketing. And three, make sure that you're helping, right? Not pushing, and you could be the benefit of this huge um, sea change in the way a business is conducted. And that to me sounds like an excellent wrap up point for saying, Dan, that was a masterful 
summary of what is a mountain of information. And I will recommend to everyone that they listen to your book because the great thing is they can either slow you down or speed you up. So they can either get your normal level of enthusiasm or slow it ever so slightly so they can absorb all the information or alternate between the two. Ah, thank you very much. Now, final question, which we always ask just in case, is there a question you wish we had asked you? Ooh, that's a good one. That wasn't in the briefing notes. No, there I'm were no briefing notes, listeners. <laughs> These guys are off the cuff. Tim and David are like, we're just going to riff it. Are you up for it, Tyre? I'm like, I'm up for it. Okay, this is not my first rodeo, right? And uh, you guys have been gracious hosts. I'm uh, glad that I could participate. Uh, we love to spread the word, right? Uh, my tagline is I'm trying to do the most good for the universe. Uh, business folks who embrace the inbound revolution do have a huge competitive advantage, and we can prove it, right? HubSpot uh, growing from uh, six employees when I start to uh, over uh, 6,000 employees now, sold in 120 uh, countries across the world, 130,000 paying customers, uh, free software to anybody who uh, wants to get started is the crowning jewel to a 42-year uh, business career. And I'm honored and uh, excited for the next 15 years because that's what it's going to take, David, right? I'm going to be 15 doing years. podcast. What's 15 years from now? Right? It'd be uh, 20, 2037. 2037. You're going to be, what, 42? And, and I'll be ancient uh, like, and you, you'll be like timeless. I'll be like 80, right? I'll be like Warren Buffett, maybe 90. And I'll still be like, no teeth, I'll be gone. You got to embrace the inbound revolution. Come on. <laughs> Who's that wrinkly guy in the lawn chair? And I'll be like, hey, like oh, he did a podcast for me in 2022. But it'll be kind of funny. And this will continue to be relevant right, for our whole uh, business career, right? And uh, some people get it like uh, after listening to this podcast, some people will get it next month, some people will get it like in 2023, but it's an immovable force that is uh, anchored into the way people buy and live today. Wow, well, gosh, yeah. Thank you, thank you both. Thank you, David, for hosting. Oh, sorry for sort of talking over you. Uh, it happens, it's just the realities of Zoom. And thank you very much for joining us, Dan Tyre. Very good, nice to meet you guys. Hello, audience. Thank you for listening to Blind Insights. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and share your favorite episodes or leave us a review if you really love us. We'd love to hear from you. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter at Blind Insights or send us a recorded question to the email in the description to feature on an episode. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out.